0: Last episode, we started talking about how and why and when this all started. Here's part two of that introductory conversation. More about how we met, a lot more about Andrea, and why we're both a big fan of that wonderful weirdo we like to call Michigan Gandalf.
1: Michigan Gandalf. Otherwise known as our patron saint, Johnny Tenney. Just for uh, shits and giggles, Johnny Tenney has no idea that we're talking about him so much in our first couple episodes of this podcast anyway (laughs) okay um i digress i'm sarah i do what i want and i'm andrea and i like that and we are two two witches. witches
0: Andrea, and thanks again, Weird Listener, for joining us for the second shot of Brick Mojo.
1: So last time we were talking, we left off talking about how our mutual love and admiration for paranormal investigator John E.L. Tenney, Michigan Gandalf, led us to each other. If we look back chronologically at the first real synchronicity point in this Brick saga, it has to do with Hayden Island and John Tenney.
0: Hayden Island is in the middle of the Columbia River, which divides the state of Oregon and Washington. The Columbia is known as the Mississippi of the West. This is a big-ass river for listeners not familiar with the Pacific Northwest.
1: The bridge between Oregon and Washington that goes directly over Hayden Island is the Interstate 5 bridge. The Hayden Island exit is the last one in Oregon immediately before you cross into Washington.
0: This bridge is rumored to be haunted by past Vancouver Mayor Grover Percival, who disappeared and later was found hanging from a tree on Hayden Island the next day. It's still unknown if he was murdered or if it was a suicide. He's still seen walking the bridge.
1: Here's what Brad Richardson, historian at the Clark County Historical Museum, had to say about it. Some say the I-5 bridge is haunted by the ghost of Vancouver Mayor Percival, who may or may not have taken his life shortly after the bridge was dedicated. The story goes that people will be driving across the bridge at night, and they'll see this tall, slender man walking in period clothing. It's always on fall nights, and it's always on the old part of the bridge. <laughs> Ooh, another interesting part. That doesn't mean a lot to new listeners
0: yet, but we'll become important later. that he was seen leisurely walking down 26th Street. 26th Street specifically is going to appear again and again in this hidden brick story. So that's another thing that ends up being important later that we didn't notice until way later. If you guys want to get ahead of this story you can go to brickmojo.net look for the page hidden bricks and the hidden brick company. It'll give you some more information and the backstory on this. Brickmojo.net is going to be updated pretty much continually as this podcast continues.
1: The next big thing that happened in Hayden Island's history was the Jansen Beach Amusement Park. It was there from 1928 to 1960 and called the Coney Island of the West. And it was the largest amusement park in the nation when it opened, 123 acres Think about the energy a place like that would stir up.
0: <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. All those brats <laughs> screaming, right?
0: <laughs> There's a big mall there now, okay? And it used to have a big antique carousel from 1928 that was left over from this amusement park. And this carousel is supposedly haunted by the spirits of two dead children that are dressed in 1920s clothing. Yep. Yep. I used to go there. I used to go there and ride it because it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful carousel, and it does truly feel odd. And there was falafel in the mall, too, right? (laughs) So I went there. Um, I never saw anything on the carousel. I have no idea if it's really haunted, but people around here seem to really love it. It's been in storage for a long time, and people actually have been arguing about it and fighting over for years as to where to put it. There's a new waterfront park in Vancouver, And then they're building a new baseball park in Portland, and it sounds like
1: the baseball park is going to win. Aside from the Haunted Mall carousel, what's the vibe like there? Uh, You said it was really weird? Yeah, it's a pretty weird place
0: for being such a little island. It has unsettling energy. There's a lot of abandoned RVs and meth activity in the area. Murders, armed standoffs, stuff like that happen occasionally. And then we have the jumpers from the bridge that also contribute.
1: Yeah, so definitely high, high energy in that area. Right. And the
0: fire department used to use our docks to, like, pull bodies out a couple times a year when I worked there. So the island is in the middle of two states. Technically, it's Oregon, but it's super liminal. It's kind of a grungy little spot. And it turns out the lot where my haunted work was in earlier years was a landfill and has also been filled in. So who knows what or who's in the ground there, really.
1: Yikes. Good point. Hayden Island itself tracks with the theory Hellier presented about spaces themselves being liminal and contributing to high strangeness and paranormal activity. So I'm having all these crazy experiences. It's this boatyard that I
0: worked on on this haunted-ass island. And it's the first time that I was ever able to document something like this consistently and interact with whatever was there every single day.
1: So what kind of things were happening there?
0: Well, I was one of two girls out of like 29 employees.
1: (laughs) Obviously, my personality fit in great, right?
0: Because I'm pretty hard to offend. I have a filthy sense of humor. I like (laughs) dudes and tools. I like excitement. I like the noise of running the service department. I was the assistant of the operations manager there, who, again, in my long pattern of making my own family, became like a brother to me. In fact, I think we're listed as cousins on Facebook or something. Like, dude is super squad, right?
1: Yeah, sounds like the perfect place for you to work.
0: (laughs) It was. Then he had to move to Georgia. And it all went to hell. But anyway, it was so fun working there, right? And it was Prank City all the time. But at some point, we recognize we're not doing all the pranks. Somebody besides us is moving tools, slamming doors, stomping around upstairs when there's no one upstairs, things like that. So tell me about the building. Was it older? So it's like a 1970s type built. It was a huge, huge building. It's down by the I5 Bridge. The garage is about two and a half. Building levels tall. There's two full floors and a third attic area that has stairs going way up to the top. That third floor was so creepy. You just knew you were being watched the entire time you were up there. And one time I was up there and there was this weird moan. And I thought it was one of the guys in the shop just being a dork and trying to scare me. But I was all alone. This place is huge. These these paint blues would fit like, you know, Bill Gates' yacht, okay? This is a gigantic space. This is what you need to understand why this, this story is so crazy. That's crazy. At the top of this gigantic garage hanging from the ceiling where these take these yachts in and out of the columbia river right we have these big fluorescent lights these gigantic lights it was such a huge drama to change the light bulbs in them that whenever it was such a pain in the ass that whenever a light bulb would burn out like the guys would just complain because you would have to get the man lift and you know go it was like a huge huge drama okay so these big lights are hung by these big chains and they're evenly spaced in rows just throughout the top of the garage so the guys can work All of a sudden, like, these lights, these huge heavy lights, which just randomly start swinging back and forth and back and forth. But just one light at a time. Even though there's, like, 20 in the room. Wow. Just one. And never the
1: same light. That's
0: insane. How? How? The best way I could describe it is like, think about when you're a little kid and you're on a swing and you start off swinging a little slow as you swing your legs. Then you build some steam up and you go faster and faster and higher and higher. And then you get tired and you start like, you know, running out of steam and slow down slowly. That's what these lights did all the time. And there was no rational explanation whatsoever. There were no doors, no vents, nothing open, nothing around them to even cause any kind of air movement that high up for something that heavy let
1: alone move these gigantic
0: big lights around.
1: Okay, so did you get to formally investigate this place?
0: Not really, because I was actually kind of (laughs) scared. But, but I did make friends, or try to make friends with whatever was there, because I would be there late at night working paperwork, and then stuff would happen. Yeah. I thought staying, you know, hanging around and saying the ghost seemed kind of shitty, because it was happening, like, every day. And it definitely seemed to be sort of intelligent. So... I started calling what we used to call the ghost, George. It just sort of seemed like the right name to call it. And I'd say, okay, George, it's just me here tonight. Please don't scare me, okay? You don't be a big chicken. Thanks. <laughs> and like, when I would talk to it, then nothing really weird would happen.
1: Maybe it's just trying to get in on all those
0: pranks. Right. I think he knew here, he uh, like, I was scared. So everyone starts calling this weirdness in the shop, George because i named it and everyone's like oh george did that you know george did this whatever but what's kind of interesting is because eventually i get curious enough to find out the history of what the hell's going on on this island and i discover the name of mayor grover haunting the bridge so like george
1: grover like i don't know it's kind of weird i pulled out two g names no that is weird that is super weird So now, were you working at a different shop when we met? And that's the one that was also haunted, right? Yeah. That shop was super dangerous. Bad things happened there, though. George was only the prank level stuff. Okay, so George was the prank level stuff. What kind of bad things do you think happened at the shop you were at when we met? Oh, gosh.
0: That would take its whole other, a whole other thing. Um, Oven bearings would explode. Forklift um, brakes would go out. Fires, things like that. Um, George was at least sort of prank level stuff. So I had all this prank level stuff happening on Hayden Island. Shit moving around the shop. It's just so normal. And it happens all the time. Um, I just kind of can't get over it. I'm already over, like, all of this shit on the Travel Channel, right? <laughs> like, I started with ghost adventures and all of that. But I really wanted to talk to people because this was suddenly happening. So that's how I joined Twitter.
1: To share ghost videos? Yeah. <laughs>
0: nice. But specifically to share ghost videos with John Tenney. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so listeners probably don't know this about me, as I'm such a hellier girl. But I pretty much don't watch TV, okay? Like, it has to be really, really, really good to get my ADHD-riddled ass to sit still and pay attention for even half an hour, okay? So that's why the big part why this podcast is so short, because I want to make it more accessible for people (laughs) like myself as a gateway into the weird. Because there's so much gatekeeping in the occult and paranormal, and we're going to talk about that later,
1: too. Definitely. Uh, You're definitely not afraid to have an opinion about controversial subjects. (laughs) But it's seriously a total fluke that I even learned
0: about Tenny because of ghost stalkers, okay? Because I don't watch TV. And if I do have the TV on, it's because it's like background noise. I'm usually painting or doing something else simultaneously because my brain is like a browser with 5,000 <laughs> browser tabs open simultaneously and I never stop,
1: ever. So how did this even happen?
0: <laughs> so I was walking through the living room to take some laundry to the laundry room and my husband and kid are flipping channels and it on ghost stalkers. And I remember... The, standing there in front of the tv with the laundry basket holding the basket and asking dave out loud wait a minute who's this guy what, what's he been in and I'm, I'm like i know i know him so he's googling him and IMDbing him or whatever and, <laughs> and he, yeah he's he's not like famous he's not famous famous right and i figure oh it's he's got a really great voice it's uh, maybe he's done like some voice work or something like that but There was, like, no rational information as to why, like, something in me, like, full-on stopped what I was doing. was like, this dude, pay attention. He's important.
1: Oh, yeah. Tenny is important. Definitely.
0: So I ended up watching every episode of Ghost (laughs) Stalkers. And then I bought a book of his, which, honestly, if I'm honest, I was kind of pissed off the first time I bought a Tenny book (laughs) because it was so thin when I got it. And I was like, what the fuck? But then, like, everything else, I read it really fast. But that slim volume just like blew my mind just clear the fuck open with so few pages. And that was exactly a lesson that I needed about appearances and expectations. And I have been such like an insane fangirl of Johnny Elteni ever since.
1: Oh, definitely. I, you know, I have to say um, about the thin books. I, I'm i right there with you because, you know, I have like two or three of his very thin books. And the first one I got, it was like, like you said. Like, what the fuck is this? It's like <laughs> 25 pages. I you go, know, what? What is this? But, oh my God, what the, the content. The 25
0: pages that you think about, uh, yeah, for three weeks you think about that. The
1: content weeks. in those 25 pages, yeah, they'll blow your mind.
0: So I read this book, this little book, and I get this burning lead, like, I need to talk to this dude. <laughs> now, <laughs> okay, so I'm all into ghost stalkers. And I never wanted, okay, I never wanted to talk to Ghost Hunters. Mm -hmm. I definitely never wanted to talk to Ghost (laughs) Adventures. I didn't have a burning need to talk to Chad off of Ghost Stalkers, even though, like, he was, quote, the famous one. And, you know, I like him, and definitely personality-wise, I am more of a Chad than a Tenny, right? So you would think that I would want to talk to, you know, (laughs) Chad. But instead, I wanted, like I needed, I'm going to say it, I needed to show this random (laughs) investigator whose vibe I liked and who seemed really (laughs) fucking smart from this show what the fuck was happening uh, in my work because this shit was real. And it was happening every day. And I felt like George, or what I was calling George, deserved to have a real intelligent look.
1: So this brings us to a point we're going to hammer again and again. Treating people with respect. If ghosts are real, then they may have been people. So treat them and their stories and the places you go to to interact with them with the same respect as you would living people. Be weird if you want to, because, you know, everybody's weird. But be nice. Think about who you are affecting.
0: That is a much more elegant way to say don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> So, I posted this video of this light in the shop going just completely crazy on Twitter. And I tagged Tenny for the first time. And I only try to tag Tenny when it's important, still. Guys, don't tag Tenny for stupid shit. He's busy, okay? (laughs) And then tenny liked it and then i completely lost my shit oh my god completely lost my
1: shit i am 100% there <laughs> with you fangirl dumbass all over the place uh, major tenny award
0: <laughs> but then then he actually followed me back on twitter and i was just like Pff! you know like it meant so much to me and it meant more to me than it should have and you know even as a fan like i've grown to genuinely love this human from our interactions and it sounds nuts because he's just some dude with a cool job right Uh, yeah. But my personal opinion is that Tenny, he's our Gandalf, because he was our connection. He was all of our connection. If there was no Tenny, I would not have ended up at Hellyer, and I would not have ended up with you. So he was our connection. He's the important connection. Maybe Tenny will come talk to us about why we call him Michigan Gandalf. We were definitely supposed to notice him. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, like, but think about this. Do you want to just be known for just your job, right? Like, our jobs are not cool, right, as a professional musician or a paranormal investigator or whatever, but he's just a dude. Like, I still don't fully understand what it is, but there's something specifically about John Tenney that just resonated with me, and it's got to be because he linked us up. So I paid attention (laughs) when you got into all the hell of your stuff through Tenney, too, and I helped... I had, like, a similar burning need to be around you or interact with you, just like I did around Tenny. And I wasn't <laughs> wrong. You were just as important as Teddy. Oh, God. So.
1: <laughs> but now,
0: everybody, myself included, really wants to hear a lot more about how you grew up and how you were raised Catholic and how that all has to do with all of this and how you got into this weirdness that we all found ourselves in. Oh,
1: God. Okay, so here we go. My name is Andrea. I was born in Eugene, Oregon, and I live about 15 minutes away from the house that I grew up in. So I'm the youngest of four, two brothers and one sister. Eugene is about two hours south uh, on the I-5 corridor from Sarah. So like Sarah and I, who ended up listening to uh, podcasts like this, I've always been intrigued with the spooky, ghosty, unexplainable phenomena, whatever. Right. You know, I was young. I didn't know what to call it, but I really loved it. And I try to look back to when it really first began. I just can't pinpoint it. Of course, you know, being conscious of other things than myself and my family. I've had a lot of unexplained experiences that have happened through time in my life. And I really think that's kind of why it solidified my fascination with the phenomena or the synchronicity or whatever, you know, is comfortable for you to call it. I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic grade school, just like Sarah. Went second through eighth grade and then on to Catholic high school through twelfth. Graduated from there. You know, I had uh, mostly brothers who taught me, a couple nuns in the younger younger years, but uh, high school was definitely all brothers. My dad was very Irish Catholic. My mom grew up Protestant and then converted to Catholicism uh, when she married my father. So uh, definite Catholic background. My dad was a full-time millwright mechanic by day and a Full-time orchardist by night and on the weekends. I grew up on a pie cherry orchard slash peaches. Nice. We had apricots. You name it. My mom ran the business side of the orchard and raised, fed, and kept us all alive and clothed. And so, yeah, uh, there was an interesting family dynamic. There was a lot of turmoil. Um, I wasn't really aware what exactly was going on at all times. But there was a definite uh, energy flux always happening in my home. You know, my my mom tried to shield me most of the time from any unpleasantness. She worked very hard at that. Uh, I always knew kind of something was going on, something was happening. And I sort of feel like I learned to look beyond what you could visually see very organically at at a young age. You kind of read the room or read the person. It was definitely an energy thing for me. And I really think that starting at such a young age has made it continue to this day.
0: No, I think it's really interesting how we both came from that sort of environment where things didn't have a sense of reality all the time, or there was a sense of what was the realities we were living at versus the reality that was presented to the outside and how we both started down that path of sort of a hypervigilance of noticing. Absolutely. And maybe that's why we notice synchronicities more than other people.
1: Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. It's just, uh, it's hard to explain to other people. So when you find somebody, you know, that connects with you in a way like Sarah does to me, where I can say something to her and she knows exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have to like go into this. Oh my God, I'm going to have to explain this. This woman's going to think I'm insane. You know, she doesn't. So we've completely connected (laughs) because we're both a little wacky on the same wavelength. I think, you know, (laughs) Um, I would sleep always with my door open and the bathroom light on because I would just get the strangest dreams and I would, I would just feel presence and it would scare the shit out of me, honestly. You know, as a little kid, it would be like pull the blankets up and count to 500 and try to fall asleep and hope whatever was there wasn't there when you woke up. I'm sure a lot of you out there can tell um, various degrees of the same story. You know, being the weird quote, quote, girl or boy in class, being the bookworm. Oh, you know, checking out that Egyptian mummy book in your Catholic school library, (laughs) Sarah. um <laughs>
0: what is it about egypt we all love egypt i was amazed all, all of us nerds
1: loved egypt oh my god uh, egypt just fascinated me and really honestly that whole process of embalming bodies
0: for real like remember reading about the brains oh i pull them out, and I'm nose, and I'm like, out oh. of
1: your <laughs> <laughs> i <laughs> love that that hook oh my god jam that hook up there and get hell me yes. some brains <laughs> hell yes God. Weird kids will take over the world. (laughs) So, you know. We
0: all know how to mummify each other.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, It cracks me up. I love it. One thing in particular I remember people hating is I would always finish people's sentences. Kids that I knew, you know, adults, whatever conversation we were having, and they would be talking to me and they would start to say something and I would just finish their sentence. And it would just... They would hate it, and I just knew what they were going to yeah. say. I wanted them to just hurry up and get to the next thing. I I don't want to wait. What are you talking about? I'm already halfway there. Let's get on to the next subject. And they would hate that. And that's that. Probably
0: and- why I don't annoy the shit out of you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're used and to I it. Talk- and I'm like, go baby go, like I'm totally all the used time. To it. You know, like
1: so used to it. <laughs> and I I've really taught myself not to do that as an adult, but you know, I'm still doing it in my head. Oh, yeah. Of course. I try
0: really hard. Yeah. It is hard. Tell us about Oh. Didn't you have a ghost grandma? Because I have a ghost mom. You have a ghost
1: grandma. I right? do have ghost grandma. I have uh my dad's mother. My my the only grandma I ever knew, because my other grandma passed away before I was born. Years and years ago, I was living with my first husband in a little house. And I was home alone and I'd been you know, in the evening, always been a candle lighter, lighting candles, blah, blah, blah. And I'd went to light a candle, a votive candle, and I realized that I must have purchased it. And it didn't have the wick in it. Like, you know, the little disc in the bottom goes through the candle. The wick was gone. And I had been standing, trying to light this candle, not paying attention. Realized, oh, there's no freaking wick in this candle. So I let the other ones... Uh, Baby was asleep, went, sat down on the couch. And I'm sitting on the couch, doing my thing, watching TV. The candles were lit near the television. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a a flame burst. And I look over and I'm staring at that candle that I'd been trying to light without the wick. And it was Hmm. lit. It lit. Without a wick. Okay. And I'm staring at it and I'm like. There's no way that candle is lit because it doesn't have a wick in it. And I'm looking at the other candles that have wicks, and they're lit. And I'm looking back at that one, and I'm like, what the hell is up with this candle? And as I'm staring at it, the light shoots straight up in the air, probably about two inches straight up in the air, and then drops back down and shoots back up again and drops back down. And so why do you think this is grandma? So... My grandma passed away. My grandma never saw either of my children. And so I was feeling pretty melancholy about that. And I had been thinking about her that evening when I lit those candles. And I'm watching this flame and I'm like, this is my grandma. And so, you know, I talk to my grandma and I go over and it's, I don't know how it's lit. Honestly, it wasn't wax. I don't know how that, honestly, it's so long ago. I don't know. I blow it out. I'm freaked out. My husband comes home from work. You know, we have dinner and I tell him about this and he just flicks me shit about it because definitely not a, not a believer. First husband. It's flicking me shit about it. And we lived in an old house at that time with a wall mount telephone and we had a shelf in the kitchen next to this wall mount for the telephone. That's how old we are, everyone. Yeah, a wall. That is exactly how old we are. Wall mount telephone. (laughs) For those who don't know what that is, it is a telephone. <laughs> I had a I,
0: I had a lime grade one that
1: you used to have to rotate yeah. dial like yeah. that's how fucking yeah, old we it. are. People that are listening, that's exactly that's exactly it. <laughs> click 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 click. That's how you had to dial it. Anyway, people,
0: the kids are like, "What?
1: What's a click 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 click?" Uh, welcome
0: to the Crone <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> we'll be talking about our hot flashes next episode.
1: Give me a fan. Um. So, so I'm telling him about this and he's just going, oh, whatever. You're, you know, you're tired. You just had a baby, whatever. He's just flicking me shit, right? And as we are having this conversation and I say to him, I know that was my grandma. And he's like, it could not be your grandmother. A shelf in the kitchen comes flying off the wall around the corner into the living room Hits the wood floor and slides across the living room in front of both of us. And I remember him (laughs) looking at me. And I looked at him and I said, told you it was my grandma. (laughs)
0: Ghost grandma says, fuck around and find out. (laughs) He's like...
1: Don't you be doubting me, you little... That's yeah. awesome. So that was that was one of my interesting stories, you know. I watched a lot of ghost adventures in the early days. The very first thing yeah. that I
0: actually watched was uh, Zach Bagans getting a brick thrown at him in the basement of the Goldfield Hotel. So that was pretty awesome. But Go brick! I think you were really in...
1: <laughs>
0: you were really into Kindred
1: Spirits, right? That was the other thing you were really into. You know, um, first off, I was a major, like, ghost hunter. When Ghost Hunter came out, I was all over it, I right at the beginning. Um, That's right. I was Ghost Hunter. I was Grant and Jason all the way. I stumbled across them. I bought the magazines. I got the tap sticker on the back of my purple Honda. <laughs> you know, uh, it's actually still there. Nice. My daughter in California has that Honda. That tap sticker has not still left. repping it out. Yep, still repping it out. Um, I went from there to, to Amy and Adam and Kindred Spirits, and that's what led me, so you know, down the road to Washington to John Tenney whenever they ended up doing an investigation there, so... Manresa right? Oh yeah Manresa Castle it was it was pretty cool I it's I was stoked I was pretty excited for that one. Yeah I'm actually
0: I really want looking forward to doing an episode about Manresa where you're going to tell us all about your visit and it's really important to uh talk about the issues around that haunting there because it's a really sad story. Yeah it
1: is a pretty it's a pretty sad story um kind of kind of gets you in the feels definitely. Yeah for sure. Um, so let's see, I guess after that it was, you know, there was kind of a gap there, but I, I kind of fell into Hellier. I watched that. Synchronicities, you know, uh, balloons popping up all over the place. (laughs) I haven't found a balloon yet.
0: I, uh, I'm, I'm one of the few that hasn't had a balloon incident yet, but I look forward to that happening.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, it's pretty cool when it does. You're sort of like, you look at it and then you're like, "Oh, oh, wow, wait a minute. That's not just a balloon. All right. So let me ask you a
0: question. Okay. Both of us have already pretty much determined that our lives have had synchronicities happen throughout them. Especially after Hellier. Yeah. Do you think that Hellier is the cause of the synchronicities? Or do you think that Hellier just sort of made us notice
1: synchronicities? Do you know? Oh god. I thought about that a lot. That's why I'm wondering. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I really think that Hellier opened my eyes to notice them more. I think they've probably been going on. You know how when you adopt a dog or you get a dog, like you get a breed of dog, like you get a border collie, and then all of a sudden all you see are border collies. Right. So you watch Hellier and you're like, first of all, this shit is happening to other people. I don't have to keep my mouth closed because I am not the (laughs) only one experiencing this crap (laughs) and and then you you it's so cathartic that you find all of these people that you can talk to about all of these things that you have kept this lid on for so long and those people start noticing their synchronicities you notice your synchronicities you discuss them and they they morph like an atom bomb It's just the clouds continue and it's amazing. It's really, it's really pretty incredible. For sure. And our
0: shared path of synchronicity is why we did this podcast. I mean, I guess we might as well just get like real weird, right? (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow we are living, experiencing, creating, or noticing a really powerful hypersigil that is surrounding these hidden bricks. I came to this conclusion after doing a lot of research and visiting like tons of these places that are still here in the Pacific Northwest. We're going to talk about what a sigil is or means or what that could have to do with any of this
1: haunting, any of the synchronicity shit that's even going on. And so, you know, that really connects into Hellier because we also believe that Hellier is another sigil, and it could be related or part of the same type of paranormal phenomenon occurring through our synchronicities with our bricks. Right. The Link to Hellier is already sort of
0: teasing us a little bit. And we're going to talk to someone that lives, one of our friends that lives in Somerset, to talk about that and all of that. We don't have, like, a real full-blown synchronicity yet, I
1: don't think, but it's sort of kind of teasing us, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a teaser. It's it's being a trickster. Um, you know, we've got a lot going on. We've got the haunted nun dolls. We've got aliens. We've got ghosts. We've got UFOs. We've got cryptids. Um, you know, we, (laughs) we've got all of this stuff. We think it's being filtered differently. But we really believe it's for the same phenomenon. And we're going to talk about that with a lot of people that we know. And it's going to be awesome.
0: What's really important to us both is we're going to talk about the social and moral issues surrounding investigating paranormal phenomenon. Since you and I sort of came into this for the ghost stuff, and we tend to go towards that route anyway as hauntings is our primary kind of interest area. Yeah. But there are issues around haunted sites. Absolutely. Especially if it's sites of
1: tragedy or trauma. And we have to be, you know... Acknowledge that and respectful of that. Absolutely. You know, it's, it goes from, it's not just the building. Um, it's the land. You know, we don't know. Right. We don't know what what that land holds holds in it. We don't know what happened on that land. We don't know who stood on that land. So, you know, you have to kind of pare back all the way from fifth story high rise building to whatever Victorian home or whosoever farm was there to... Whatever indigenous people stood there previous to all of that, you know, being built. So it's really, really important to us that we are knowledgeable and kind.
0: So next episode, I guess we're really going to start introducing you to an order of Montreal nuns called the Sister of Providence and explain why a couple of weirdo witches (laughs) think that these nuns are a little more extraordinary than anyone might have connected before absolutely so we can't wait to introduce you (laughs) yeah to emily and mojo (sighs) yeah if you had to match a couple of heroic women these nuns would definitely qualify but the bigger question really is why do a couple of spooky witches that fell out with the catholic church even give a shit about nuns and what does any of this have to do with
1: hellier buckle up it's pretty weird it's weird thanks for joining us for this bite-sized walk was this a bite-sized walk? onto the weird side of life. We'll see you again soon for another dose of Brick Mojo. Until then, take care of yourselves. And don't be an asshole.
0: Two Witches Podcast was
1: recorded live from a brick trap house deep in the Pacific Northwest.